Well, hello, everybody. My name's Caleb, and I'm excited to be speaking today. And if you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Habakkuk 2. If you know me by now, you know that I love the Old Testament. We're going to start there, obviously. And uh, we're going to look at what do we do when God gives us a promise? What do we do when the Lord speaks to us about our future? What do we do when he places a dream on our heart and it hasn't happened yet? We're going to look at what we can do with the promises of God. And we're going to start here in Habakkuk 2, and in verses 2 to 3 it says, Write down the vision, or write down the revelation, and make it plain on tablets, so that he who hears it may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come, and will not delay." I love this scripture because we're presented with a bit of a contradiction in these two sentences. And we're presented with a tension or an enigma. And we're told that this revelation is something that will make you run. But we're also told that you have to wait for it. And then we're told that this revelation will certainly come and not delay. But it might linger. And that's a puzzle. That's a difficulty. At least it is for me. I don't know about you. You might be smarter than I am. And so what do we do with a word that comes? What do we do with a vision that God gives us? What do we do with a prophetic word? And what do we do with dreams that he places on our hearts? A promise that was clear, a dream that was plain, but it hasn't happened yet. How do you run with something that you've been told to wait for? And how do you wait for something that you're supposed to run with? That's a problem. It's an intriguing problem because you and I, As it says in scripture here, we can run with what we're waiting for and can wait for what we're running with. (laughs) Hopefully I'll be able to explain that, make a little bit of sense by the end of this. In Matthew 25, there's a parable that Jesus speaks about and it's about 10 virgins. And each of these ladies has a lamp and they're going out to meet the bridegroom. It seems to be dark late at night, early in the morning. I don't know what it is, but they got lamps to light the way says there's five wise women and five foolish women. The five wise women bring oil for their lamps and the five foolish women don't bring any extra oil. Sure enough, the bridegroom, he's a little late, he's delayed, the Bible says, and they all start to get sleepy and those five foolish women, their lamps start to go out or the oil starts to run dry and they have to go to the store to get some more oil and when they do, they totally miss the opportunity to meet with the bridegroom. And it says that he lingered or he delayed. He didn't come when they were expecting him to come. The reason that these girls ran out of oil was his fault. It was his fault. He didn't come. There's another scripture about a guy named Lazarus who dies and and they say to Jesus, you didn't come. It was his fault. He didn't come. In fact, it says that he deliberately delayed. And some of us have been holding on to promises, have prophetic words over our hearts, over our lives, have dreams that God has given us, and we believe unshakably that we heard from God for our lives, but it hasn't happened yet. It's lingered. It's tarried. And these 10 girls who went out to meet the bridegroom, all of them were physically tired as much as each of each other. And what set the five wise women apart from those five foolish ones was that they were prepared. They came with extra oil. They were prepared and that made all the difference in the world. 
And there are two words in the Bible that most Christians get confused about. At least I do at times. And they're not the same word at all. And they mean completely different things. And the first word is this, suddenly. And the second word is immediately. Suddenly and immediately. God always moves suddenly, but he doesn't often move immediately. When we receive a word, we think it's going to happen immediately. One of the last promises of the Old Testament comes in the prophet Malachi when it says, And behold, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly appear in the temple. Malachi 3.1. What, what an amazing promise. Hey, Malachi, the Lord will suddenly appear in the temple. Great, sign me up. It's going to happen right now. And he turned up 400 years later. So it wasn't immediate, but it was suddenly. And God will fulfill every promise in your life suddenly, but it might not happen immediately. But we've got to be ready for the suddenly. We've got to be ready for the suddenlies in our life and not give up because it didn't happen immediately. Back to Habakkuk, we find in this passage of Habakkuk is a result of the prophet inquiring of God. In fact, the book begins with him coming into the presence of God saying, Oh Lord, how long? How long, O oh Lord? And that's a common question that you find throughout the whole of Scripture and probably a common phrase that you've said many times in your life. I know I have. How long? How long, God? God never gives a clear answer to this question in the Scriptures. It comes up loads and loads, and his most common answer is this, until. I mean, that's not even a time, until. And he says, how long, O Lord? And then he says, I'm going to go and inquire of God and stand on my watch post and see what the Lord will say to me. Because Habakkuk's the prophet where he sees what's happening in the world, around him and he knows the word of God and he comes to God essentially to complain and says, God, your word says this, but this is happening. What you've said and what you've promised hasn't happened yet. And in the verses that follow, you find two significant scriptures or phrases or promises that are super important for us as believers. They both come in this vision that Habakkuk gets. And first of all, before God gives those, he tells Habakkuk, the world is full of trouble. The world is full of violence. The world is full of darkness. And we don't need to emphasize here today just how dark the world is around us. But he makes two promises. And the first is this, the just shall live by faith. That's the first promise. If you want to live in a world that's dying, if you want to be light in a world that is dark, then live by faith. And the other great promise is this. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the seas. His vision is one of personal security, the just shall live by faith, but also universal blessing. The earth will be filled with the glory of God. The ultimate purpose of God is the earth will be filled with his glory. And it doesn't mean that there's going to be golden, dusty, fog covering our planet. That's not what that means when it talks about glory. His glory is manifest through the acts of his people. His glory is manifest through his church. 
So our vision, our tension, our puzzle is this. The earth will be filled with the glory of God, but let's face it, it hasn't happened yet. We've got to wait for it, but we've also got to run with it. The just shall live by faith, and faith in what God has said, and God has said the earth will be filled with his glory. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart, but I haven't seen it yet. I've seen glimpses, I've seen glimmers, but I've not yet seen the earth filled with his glory. But it's going to happen, and I'm running with that. I'm motivated by that promise. The Bible tells us that there's a time for every purpose under heaven. And when you read the Bible, you discover that God works on a completely different calendar than our own. Times that are his that we don't know. The untils of God. For, for instance, when Jesus was come in the world, we find in Galatians 4.4 it says, But when the, time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. When was God going to send his son? We didn't know the dates. We didn't know the times. The prophets didn't know. But when was the time? When the time had fully come. That was God's calendar. It was a time set by God. No one knew when. It was his calendar, his timing. In Romans, Paul speaks and says in Romans 5, verse 8, it says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. See, it's pointless to try to pinpoint dates in the purposes of God. Because God has a time that's outside our own, and His time has more to do with quality than quantity. It's not how many years have passed before this will happen or that will happen. It's what quality of life will be to provoke this happening, the promises of God to come to pass. It's not how many years we have to wait. It's the quality of life until that promise comes. That means, in a sense, to some degree, we are the masters of our own destiny. If there's a promise out there, if there's a dream out there, we can actually do something about it coming closer. We read in Peter about how we look for and hasten the day, the coming of the day of the Lord. That you and I can either hinder or help the fulfilling of the promises of God, the prophetic words on our life, by our attitude and our actions. You see, there's nothing fatalistic about God. When it comes to his promises, he does not want to frustrate us. I believe in a sovereign God. But his sovereignty is outside of my, the parameters of my knowledge. I can't understand because he himself is outside of time. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3 verses, uh, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. I often think, God, you're moving slow on this one. God's given me a word. God's given me a, a, a prophetic word. He's spoken through the word of God. I believe he's spoken about something. And I think, God, you're moving way too slow. But God says, I'm not slow the way that you think I'm slow. God's timing is always perfect. Always just the right time. And there are attitudes that we can adopt that will line up with God's purpose and his promise over our life. And the attitude is mind-blowing. This is going to shock you. This is going to sweep you off your feet. You're going to fall off your chairs. And it's this. The attitude is patience. 
patience. You all know the story of the guy who prayed, Lord, I want patience and I want it now. And that's how we are. We live in an instant world. Everything from coffee to credit, we can get it. Bam, 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 bam. Automate, automate, automate. I want it now. Instant, instant, instant. But God isn't like that. God himself has a sustaining attitude that he wants to share with us, and it's called patience. If God wasn't patient, none of us would be here. I'm so glad that God was patient with me. I'm so glad that God is patient with me each and every day because there would be no church, there'd be no humanity. So why, if God is so patient, are we so impatient? Paul writes to the Romans and says in Romans 8, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That's how it's supposed to work. If we hope for something that's not yet here, God says, if it's not yet here, here's the key. Wait for it patiently. Hebrews 10 says in verse 35, so don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. These aren't the scriptures that we want to hear. We want to hear, name it, claim it. Bring it now, God. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. Now, now, now. Instant. But it says you need perseverance. It says, it says that we need to learn to do the will of God. Hebrews eleven thirteen says, all these people, it's the great scripture about the heroes of faith, and it's, it says this, all these people were still living by faith when they died. Pause there. That's the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful statements in the whole of scripture. All these people were still living by faith when they died. If I die before Jesus returns, I want to die while I'm still living by faith. And it goes on and says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from afar. What a wonderful attitude to have. They welcomed them and saw them and welcomed them from a distance. There's an attitude of faith and it's called patience. There are also actions of faith. Our attitude is patience, but our action is preparation. Our attitude is patience, wait, but our action is preparation, run. You can actually do something to provoke God, and that's called preparation. I love the verse about Noah in the King James Bible in Hebrews 11, where we follow on from where we were reading, and it says, By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. God spoke to him about the rains to come. God spoke to him about things not yet seen. What did Noah do? He prepared. He ran with the word. When God has told us things about tomorrow, about next year, about the future, we don't need to sit and wait for years and years and years for that promise to just suddenly appear out of thin air without us doing anything. We can actually do something that makes us ready for when the suddenly comes. We can be like the five, the five bridesmaids, the five wise ladies who took the oil with them. They were prepared. Well, the others thought it was going to be immediately for the bridegroom to come. Well, the others thought, therefore, it's unnecessary to have the oil. The five wise ladies actually were the ready ones. They were the prepared ones, and they received that which they were expecting. 
If God speaks to you in your heart about something, let's say, for instance, a few years ago when we were in the UK, I, I remember I was having a conversation with somebody and they said, God has, I believe God has called me to Spain. How fantastic. That is amazing. First of all, do you believe that's the word of God on your life? Yeah, I mean, yes, of course. It's been on my heart for a while and God confirmed it. He's given me a word. He's given me prophetic words. I've had dreams. I'm going to Spain. I said, fantastic. That's amazing. What are you doing about it? Well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting to see what God will do. Well, do you know, do you know Spanish? No, I don't know. I don't know any. I'm not great with languages. Well, if that's a word over your life, you need to learn Spanish. You got to prepared. Be prepared. But so many people receive things from God and don't do anything about it. If there's a word of God over your life, you got to do something about it. Get some training, get some experience, get yourself ready. Prepare for what's coming. Our action is preparation. It was a long time before the rain came, but when the rain came, Noah was prepared. When John the Baptist came on the scene to point us to Jesus, he said, the kingdom of God is near and prepare the way of the Lord. How are you preparing the way of the Lord in your life? How are you preparing for God to fulfill his promise? How are you preparing for this thing to actually come to pass? How are you preparing the way for it to come out of the clouds and down to earth? Do something, get ready. And see, if I woke up this morning and God spoke to me and said, Caleb, you're going to be the best musician in all of Canada. I've called you to be the next Jimi Hendrix. Like, great, fantastic, what a word. I, I'm, I'm ready to be the next Hendrix. I'm ready. I've got, I'm going to slap it a bass, man. I'm ready. I am ready. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden have a guitar in my hand standing on stages in front of thousands of people. I've got to prepare for that. I've got to actually pick up the guitar and start learning that bad boy. I've got to work with the word that he gave me. I need to learn an instrument. You see, it won't always happen immediately, but I've, and therefore I've got to prepare myself. The prophecy may not have been fulfilled yet. The promise may not have come to pass yet. The dream may not have happened yet. But we can make ourselves ready. That's what we got to do. It's what you do with the word of God. It's what you do with the promise. It's what you do with the prophecy. It's what you do with the dream that he gave you. It's how it's worked. You got to do something. You got to do things. Faith without works is dead. I was looking at the other day uh, about the prophet Elijah. I was reading about him. He's one of my favorite uh, characters in the Bible, one of the, my favorite prophets in the Bible. And there was a drought at the time and God wants to help him during the drought when, it's, when, when Elijah looks around, there had been a drought for years. There was no food, there was no water. It was dying, it was death, it was dry. And God says this in 1 Kings 17, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have directed ravens to supply food for you there. That's a promise of God. Hey, Elijah, you've not eaten. You're, you're hungry. Guess what? I'm going to provide for you ravens to give you food. That is a miracle. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Send the ravens. Bring that bread. But I can't just sit here forever and ever. Elijah didn't sit where he was and just wait for those birds to bring the bread. He had to actually get up and position himself in order to receive the promise. Are you in a place that he told you to be in order to receive the promise that he's given? 
I've got to be in the right place, in the right space, not to just rely on the promise to find me. So it's not, you know, just ravens are going to feed you. That's fantastic. That's a miracle. But I've actually got to do something to get myself in the right place where the miracle can happen. We can provoke God in the right sense, in a positive and spiritual sense. And so have you laid hold of the promise? Have you prepared for what God has spoken to you? Have you contended and ran with the promise that he's given you? It might not be immediate, but it will be sudden. Are you ready for the suddenly? The church by its very nature is prophetic. You and me, as Christians, as believers, we're a prophetic people. In that what we bring is what's not yet into the now. We reach into the heavenlies as the people of God. We're a prophetic people. And just like on Sunday mornings or when we come together, it's a glimpse of us reaching into the age to come and bringing it into the now. That's being a prophetic people. It's taking what's not yet and bringing it into now. It's taking heaven and bringing it to earth. What's in heaven? Power, peace, unity, worship. And when we come together, we are reaching into what was in heaven or what is in heaven and displaying it here on earth. The kingdom of God is tomorrow invading today. Our attitude is patience. We wait for it. But our preparation, our action is preparation. We run with it. Simeon in the Bible, he's an old man. We find him in the New Testament. And before Jesus is born, God, it says, the Holy Spirit places a word in his heart. And he says this, you will not die until you've seen the Lord's Messiah. What a promise. It says, Simeon, you get a sense that he's an old man at the time. You get a sense that this word has been in his heart for some time. And God gives us a promise and he says, Simeon, you're not going to die until you see Jesus. What a promise. And you get the sense that it turned his life, the promise of God over his life, turned his life into an adventure. It, it didn't seem like it was a sense of frustration for him. It became a motivation for him. I get, I get this vision of, I think of him waking up every morning and instead of thinking, oh, it hasn't happened today. I'm, oh, it's never going to happen. God said it. It's never going to happen. Instead, you get the sense that he's going into the temple the, the town, he's going into the markets, he's looking at in every sling, every pushchair, every buggy, every stroller. Is this him? Is this him? Is this him? No, 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 no. Oh, it's not, it's not happened today, but tomorrow, tomorrow it'll surely come. And when he actually ends up embracing the Christ, who by the way is only eight days old, he says, I've seen enough. I've seen enough. This is an eight-day-old baby. It's not the great teacher. He wasn't the great healer, not the savior, not the deliverer, not the risen and glorified son of God. It was an eight-day-old baby. See, sometimes the promise is fulfilled before you see all that you think you should have seen. For some of us, the answer that we're waiting for might look a little bit different than what we expected. It might look like an eight-day-old baby when we thought we were gonna get an 80-year-old old man. And there are three things that we can do to quicken the coming of the promises of God in our life. Three things that we can do. The first is this. Are you ready? We can walk in holiness. 
Just as simple as patience. We can walk in holiness. 2 Peter 3 says, What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That's awesome. That you and I, if we live right, if we live holy, if we live our lives set apart for God, we can actually hasten the coming of Jesus. That you and I, if we live right, we can actually hasten the coming of the promises of God that are in our lives. The prophetic word that's been spoken over us. How do we do it? How do we see the promise or the dream come to pass? Here's, a, here's an idea. God says, live holy. Stop moaning. Stop complaining. Stop sulking. Stop sinning. And start living to the glory of God. Walk in holiness. Walk in His ways. Leaving behind, behind the childish ways and pressing on to what He has for us. Moving into maturity as believers. We got to be mature. We got to be holy. We got to live right. Walk in holiness. Here's something else you can do. You can worship in spirit. We can walk in holiness, but we can worship in spirit. Isaiah 54 verse 1 says, Sing barren one, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song. Shout for joy. You who never were in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Sing, O barren women. You see, that's a problem. She's really got nothing to sing about if you think about it. She's barren. She could say, I'll wait until I've had the baby and when the baby comes, that's when I'll sing. No. You see, singing is part of the process of getting the baby. Singing is part of the process of seeing the promise come to pass. You got a promise of God over your life? Start singing about it. Don't sulk because it hasn't happened yet. Sing because it will certainly come. Praise Him. Give Him honor. Give Him glory. Thank Him for the promise that's not yet here. Reach into your tomorrow. Bring it in today and thank God. Praise Him for what's to come. And I don't know all the ins and outs of the spiritual matters of why that's a, that's a thing that we can sing, we can worship, and we see things happen. But I just know that when we come together, the word, the scripture says, God inhabits the praises of his people. Whether that's on our own, or whether that's here on a Sunday, whether it's we're at camp, wherever we are, when we come together and sing, God moves amongst us. We saw that just a few weeks ago. We saw it last week. Worship in the Spirit. We can walk in holiness, we can worship in the Spirit, and we can war with your word. War with our word. Paul speaks to Timothy and says, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you might fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Fight the good fight. How about doing a bit of fighting for your promise? How about fighting for its fulfillment? How about waging war in the heavenlies for what God has said? Through prayer and petition, not with our fists, but through prayer, through pre petition, through confessing the word of God over our, our hearts, over our lives. How about fighting for what's on the inside of the, you that pulls you, that drives you? that moves you forward, the dream that, that just won't die, that keeps resurrecting itself, that keeps speaking to your inner soul. 
How about saying to that mountain, move. I've got to come through here. God has given me a promise. Get out of my way, mountain. I'm coming through. Waging war with our words. It says in the Bible where two or three agree on earth, it's, it's agreed in heaven where we agree here and we, we, in prayer and petition, come together. It provokes God. There's three things that we can do to speed the coming of the promises of God over our, over, over our lives. We can walk in holiness. We can worship in the Spirit. And we can war with our word. And it will provoke God. It might not happen and it might not come immediately. But all God's promises are yes and amen. And sure enough, suddenly it will come. Keep being patient. Wait for what you're running with. Keep making preparation. Run with what you're waiting for. And keep provoking God. My prayer is that we will see many suddenlies in our church in the coming months. We've seen suddenlies in the last few weeks like I've never seen. From camp through to the Sundays, through the testimonies through the week, there's been suddenly after suddenly after suddenly, testimony after testimony after testimony of God moving in the lives of the people of local church. Praise God, hallelujah. Fulfilling promises, speaking and giving us fresh dreams and visions. But some of us, we've been waiting year after year after year. We've been waiting for God to move. And the good news for you today is that it will surely come. Keep running. Keep waiting. You're waiting for a healing. You've been standing on God's word knowing that by his stripes I am healed. But I've not seen it yet. I still feel sick. I still feel weary. But let this word be a motivation to you, not a frustration that it hasn't happened yet, but a motivation that it will surely come. What do we do when God gives us a promise? When he speaks to us about our future? When he places a dream in the depths of our heart and it hasn't happened yet? We wait, but we also run. You might be watching this and you don't know Jesus and your heart's been beating and you don't have a relationship with the Father. You're not a Christian. But the good news for you today is that God has a purpose and plan for your life. He has promises for you that are reserved for you and he has a purpose and a calling for your life that he wants to show and reveal to you. But it starts with us laying our life down at his feet and saying, Jesus, you are the Lord of Lords. You died on the cross for me so that I could have life and have it to the full. And it starts with us giving our life to Jesus. And if that's you today as you watch this, I wanna pray with you. I'm gonna say a prayer, I'm gonna say a line and you can say it too. And you can come into the family of God and enjoy in the promises that he has for his people, for his church, for his children. And so I'm gonna pray and when I do, if that's you, if you wanna pray along with me and afterwards, if that's you and you've given your life to Jesus and you become a Christian today as you watch this, we wanna know about it. We believe Christianity is a team sport and we wanna walk with you. We wanna run with you in what God has for you. So be sure to chat with the hosts and maybe click on the link that comes up here in a minute if you wanna follow up and connect with us. And the prayer goes like this, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have a purpose for my life. 
I thank you that you died on the cross for me. And today I acknowledge that I want to live for you. And so I lay down my life. I give you my heart. And I say, Lord Jesus, take away my sin. You are king. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. See you next week. God bless.